0: Welcome to Suspending the Rules, the Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Welcome to September, listeners. The long summer recess is officially over, and we here at Bloomberg Government are all geared up for the fall sprint. Welcome to Suspending the Rules. I'm Adam Taylor.
1: And I'm Sarah Babbage. The House is scheduled to take up three bills this week to limit oil drilling in an Alaska wildlife refuge and off the U.S. coast. On the other side of the Capitol, the Senate plans to start moving some of its annual spending bills. While government funding will lead the agenda over the next month, issues including guns, trade, and drug pricing are also on the table.
0: Bloomberg Government released its 50-page Fall Hill Watch today that previews the next few months in Congress. And if you're a Bloomberg Government subscriber, definitely go check that out. Joining Sarah and me in the studio now to discuss some of those big-picture items are our fellow legislative analyst, Danielle Parnas. Hi. And BGov budget and appropriations reporter,
2: Jack Fitzpatrick. Thanks for having me.
1: So let's start with the elephant in the room, and that is the looming September 30th end of the fiscal year and end of the authorized spending. So we've heard that a continuing resolution is going to be coming up sometime between now and then. Jack, what is the latest on that?
2: Yeah, the House is going to take up a a CR to fund the government. We don't know exactly for how long. What we've heard generally is through late November, maybe mid-December. And the House will vote on that the week of September 16th, the second week that they're back out of three weeks in September. So the Senate would have some time to take that up, but it it is a a short runway. They'd probably want to take it up preferably early the next week in order to not come too close to uh, to sort of a last-minute Friday vote or, or something too close to September 30th. Uh, the the next conversation to have that I haven't heard any bicameral conversations about this would be about anomalies and what kind of changes in funding and changes in legislative language would happen. The White House sent its request for a bunch of anomalies, some relating to border security, uh, some more obvious ones like funding the census, uh, ramping their funds up as they approach 2020. So that's something that they've got to get everybody on the same page about uh, by the time the House releases its CR and takes it up uh, the week of September 16th. You mentioned
0: border security. That's been the big stumbling point for negotiations for the last, well, for most of the Trump administration. Is it going to be a stumbling block for this CR?
2: Potentially for the CR, what we're going to have to figure out is do Republicans uh, dig in their heels as much as Democrats are going to? Uh, what we've heard is when the Trump administration requested an anomaly that would actually allow them to use the border fence funds in a CR, uh, House Democrats are saying no. So what they need is you know if they just re-upped the language from fiscal nineteen, it would provide more money but it would also specify where they could spend it in the Rio Grande Valley sector, and that has already been funded in fiscal 2019. So without an anomaly changing the legislative language saying you can build more outside of this area, it's effectively zero dollars in a continuing resolution. So I have heard back from House Democrats who have said we will oppose this anomaly that would only enable the border wall, which we obviously oppose. Do Republicans put up a fight over that? They've they've played it quiet so far. So we'll have to see if they're just going to completely take the House's lead on a CR that would, according to Steny Hoyer, be totally clean, although that even means without the preferred anomaly that the White House has requested.
1: Looking ahead to fiscal 2020, the House has been hard at work on their appropriations bills. Many of them have been passed by the full House. And then in the Senate, we haven't really seen much action so far. Um, This week, the Senate Appropriations Committee is going to start marking up its first spending measures. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about what its plan is for the fiscal 2020 bills?
2: Yeah, the Senate uh, is off to a late start because they were waiting for that budget caps deal so that they would be able to mark up their bills to realistic numbers. Meanwhile, all those House bills are slightly off, and that's a a challenge that the House will face. But as far as the race to mark things up and maybe even get them to the floor in the Senate, on Thursday this week there will be a full committee markup, marking up defense, labor, HHS education, energy and water, and state and foreign operations, as well as their subcommittee allocations for all 12 subcommittees. So that's going to be a big day. On Tuesday before that, there will be subcommittee markups for the defense and labor HHS measures. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, the energy and water and state and foreign ops bills are gonna be kind of just passed around to members of the subcommittees so they can sign off and have questions, answers, but they're not gonna uh, actually get formal subcommittee markups. After that, they're gonna keep trying to mark up all of their bills uh, in, in groups over the three weeks that they're in. And the latest we've heard is they're still holding out hope that they could pass something. Before they left, Richard Shelby was saying they'd like to pass something through both chambers and get it signed into law. That's uh, very, very hopeful with only three weeks on the calendar in September. But the idea was to do a big package defense. Labor HHS, energy and water was mentioned, and Shelby said maybe one other. So we're looking at two to four big bills to try to fund the majority of discretionary funding. But again, can they actually get something to the president's desk by September 30th? Uh, that's, that's a very, very short time period.
1: All right, well, let's turn now to another uh, hot topic for Congress coming back, which is gun control following some major mass shootings um, in recent weeks. The House Judiciary Committee had said that it was going to end its recess early to come back to mark up uh, some gun legislation. And Adam Taylor, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So we had the the mass shootings, unfortunately, at the beginning of August in El Paso and in Dayton, and then in subsequent weeks, another one in West Texas, Odessa. And and so there's a lot of urgency in, in the whole city, really, to do something at this point. And as you said, the House Judiciary Committee planned to come back early to mark up several bills that would cover different aspects of the gun debate, but Hurricane Dorian was scheduled to hit Florida essentially the same day as the markup, so they delayed it a week or so so that they could focus on on what they needed to do in their districts if they were in Florida or deal with travel issues that that were raised by that. They are back. They've rescheduled the markup for this Tuesday, September 10th, and um, they're going to be marking up kind of three distinct issues. One of them is the so-called red flag law, which Is at the state level, allows state courts to take away guns from people who they find to pose a danger to themselves or to others. And this bill would provide grants to states and localities to implement these bills and kind of give them encouragement to even adopt them. It would also, they they plan to add on as an amendment, another bill that would create a federal red flag law, which hasn't existed before now.
1: Uh, And what else is is in the other bills? Uh,
0: One of them is the magazine limit bill that would make it illegal to manufacture, buy, sell, or possess any ammunition feeding device with more than 10 rounds in it. So the, the large capacity magazines that we've seen in some of these mass shootings would be illegal. I don't think it would take away any that are already out there. So those that are still out there would remain, but it is a step Uh, proponents would say towards limiting the damage of of some of these mass shootings. The last bill is a hate crime bar, it would add, it it would essentially make it illegal to possess a firearm or to provide a firearm to someone who has been convicted of a misdemeanor hate crime. So if the prosecution had to prove hate toward a protected group as part of the crime or if the court enhanced a sentence because of one of those factors, it would be illegal for that person to possess a firearm
1: feels like we've seen more and more of the private sector kind of coming out and putting pressure on Congress to do something on guns. Walmart, for example, has been saying they're going to restrict sales of guns and ammunition, and they've been calling on Congress to do more. Are Republicans hearing that and are they supporting any of these measures?
0: Republicans are are kind of waiting for President Trump to to say where he's going to land on this, especially in the Senate. Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, has said that if the president comes out and says he will sign a bill, one of these bills, and there are votes for it in the Senate that he will put it on the floor and it will if it passes, as long as he knows the president will sign it, but the president has kind of changed his position a few times in the last month on some of these bills. He Earlier in the year, he came out very strongly against the um, expanded background check bills that the House passed in February, calling them a violation of the Second Amendment. He came out in favor of red flag laws, but has seemingly walked back that support somewhat in, in more recent weeks as after speaking to the National Rifle Association and, and lawmakers. So it's not clear which, if any, of these bills will actually get through the Senate.
1: Some lawmakers have also been proposing to bring back a ban on assault weapons that was around in the 1990s. Can you tell us a little more about that?
0: Yeah, the the House Judiciary Committee is actually going to have a hearing on, on this bill later this month. It would like you said revive that that 1980s 1990s assault weapons ban that expired in 2004 and it would actually expand on it somewhat under under the old assault weapons ban, there were a lot of little characteristics that changed whether a firearm was covered or not, the type of grip it had, whether it had the type of barrel it had, the the stock on the back, all these different factors affected. So it was really arguably very easy to get around it by just making modifications to the weapon. This bill would go beyond it and say any AR-15 is an assault weapon, any AK-47 is an assault weapon, no matter what kind of grip, stock, barrel it has. And so it would it would make it easier to enforce in some cases. Obviously, gun rights supporters are against any assault weapons ban, and they don't want to see this go any further than, than the current law is, which is no assault weapons ban. Supporters, some of them, have actually said this needs to go farther and there need to be buybacks or people need to be forced to get rid of their assault weapons that are already out there in, in the world. And this bill would not do that. It would not require buybacks. It would not require you to give up any guns that you already own.
1: Let's turn now to health and drug pricing. Uh, that's been a hot topic on lawmakers' radar for some time. And we know that several committees in the House and Senate have been uh, acting on drug price bills before the recess.
3: Danielle, what's going on with those? So there has been um, a fair amount of committee action on largely bipartisan bills aimed at bringing down the cost of drug prices. The big question now, of course, is what next? Most of those bipartisan bills were related to bringing generic drugs to the market faster, and those have already moved. The House even voted on a couple of them earlier this year, but it was paired with some Affordable Care Act provisions that Republicans opposed. So that specific package hasn't gone anywhere yet. But now I think lawmakers and, of course, industry groups are sort of looking at you know, what are some other big Uh, picture items that may come up in the fall, and one thing that we're looking out for is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has been working on a measure that would allow Medicare to negotiate prices for certain drugs. Uh, From what we've reported, it's likely that those will look at drugs that have been on the market for a while without any competition and seeing what kind of support there is, both among Democrats and if they can find common ground with the Trump administration and Republicans on moving that forward. There was also um, a large package that moved through the Senate Finance Committee right before recess. And one of the big topics there was, um, you know, trying to require drug makers to give rebates to Medicare if they increase the price of drugs faster than inflation. There were actually a fair amount of Republicans who opposed that, although we know that the Trump administration supports it. So one question is, You know, if Chairman Chuck Grassley can gather enough enough support within his caucus to move that. And if something, if a package like that can be combined with the other bills that have already moved through other committees like the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee and also the Senate Judiciary Committee.
0: Another topic we've been hearing a lot about is surprise billing. What's happening with the surprise medical billing legislation at this point?
3: That we've also seen some proposals already move through the Energy and Commerce Committee in the House and the Help Committee in the Senate. But there's sort of a big industry Fight going on there on the issue of how to resolve these payment disputes between insurers and doctors, and so it's yet to be seen if um, lawmakers can actually come to consensus on this issue. You know, in the next few months, uh, you know, we're hearing that other committees could also weigh in, like the Ways and Means Committee. So there's still um, there's still some hurdles that lawmakers have to overcome if they actually want to address this issue. Um, You know, most people support the idea of not. Holding patients responsible for these large medical bills, but then you know again the fight goes back to then how do you uh, pay doctors and um, set rates with insurers um, to deal with those costs.
0: There's a lot more happening in Washington over the next month. One bill we know is is scheduled to be marked up by the House Judiciary Committee would put restrictions on the practice of of forced arbitration in employment contracts and in other contexts. Sarah, you've been watching trade. What should we expect on that front?
1: The big question for the fall is whether Democrats and the US Trade Representative can come to an agreement on the US-Mexico-Canada agreement or USMCA that would replace NAFTA. Right now, they're going back and forth. Democrats have concerns over the agreements, provisions when it comes to enforcement, especially of labor with concerns about Mexico and its labor practices, as well as pharmaceuticals and dispute resolution. And Democrats have a working group where they are um, submitting suggestions to the U.S. trade representative for uh, ways that their concerns could be addressed, and what we've heard from them is that they're waiting to hear back uh, on kind of counter proposals from USTR, and uh, we heard last week the first mention of a Democrat, I th- believe, saying that they might let the agreement go until next year to finally approve it. That was Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut, who is one of the members of this working group. So. We'll see whether Democrats can actually um, decide to move forward on it this year, but um, once you start hearing that deadline getting pushed back, it's definitely not a good sign.
0: Other things we could see include extensions of public health programs, flood insurance, the Export-Import Bank. There are lots of programs that are tied to the fiscal year that could be extended as well.
1: And then this week, Democrats are moving some pretty big energy bills. Um, could you talk about those, Adam?
0: Yeah, so uh, the the House is going to be taking up three bills uh, that in, essentially put restrictions on the Trump administration's ability to drill for oil or to sell leases on public land and water to drill for oil. One of them would put a permanent moratorium on offshore leasing off the coast of the, the lower 48 states. Another would, uh, or at least in the Atlantic and Pacific, most of the Gulf of Mexico would remain available. Another bill would put a moratorium or extend a moratorium permanently on drilling close to Florida in the Gulf of Mexico. And the last bill would repeal instructions to allow drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska. The 2017 Republican tax overhaul required the Interior Department to make two different lease sales uh, to allow drilling in that, in, in part of the wildlife refuge. This bill would repeal that, essentially.
1: Well, that's it for us this week. Jack Fitzpatrick is a budget and appropriations reporter with Bloomberg Government, and Danielle Parnas is deputy team lead for legislative analysis. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Michael R. Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York City, is the majority owner of Bloomberg Government's parent company and serves as a member of Everytown for Gun Safety's advisory board. The group advocates for universal background checks and other gun control measures.
1: We'll be back next week with a closer look at what's happening in Congress.
0: Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at bgov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasida. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com.
1: Hi there, I'm Amanda Icone, co-host of Talking Tax. Each week, we dig into the biggest tax and financial accounting challenges and opportunities from policy to on-the-ground realities. We bring you corporate leaders, accountants, and industry insiders. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. For more, check us out on news.bloombergtax.com.